This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. Welcoming back one of my favorite guests, absolutely somebody who has done a great deal of service for our nation and the world now uh, in his current position uh, and continues to, I believe, uh, be somebody who not only educates and informs, but he does it without the hype. He does it from a point of uh, truthfulness. I've learned a lot from him. I have a great deal of respect. Happy New Year and welcome back to Colonel Cedric Layton, founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. He founded the company in 2010, but prior to that, he served in the U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer. He did attain the rank of colonel. He's held assignments worldwide at every level of command, including tactical deployed units, U.S. Special Ops Command, national agencies, as well as the Joint Staff in the Pentagon. More than a pleasure to have back Colonel Cedric Layton. Colonel Layton, happy Happy New Year. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Leslie. Happy New Year to you. Uh, Terrible, terrible thing. Uh, The deadly attack that took place on the French newspaper, uh, Charlie Hebdo, uh, the satirical newspaper. This attack has claimed the lives of at least uh, 12 people. Those are the reports right now in uh, the beautiful city of Paris in France. Um, Now, first of all, Colonel, this this, uh, appears to be a well-planned and deliberately executed assault and this also appears to be an assault by trained militants, correct? Yes, I would say so, Leslie. Uh, when you look at the videos associated with this attack, it's very clear that uh, they had an objective in mind. They knew what they were doing. Uh, they had cased uh, the establishment before uh, they mounted the attack. Uh, there were some reports that they didn't have the exact office correct, uh, but uh, they eventually obviously got there and uh, caused this massive destruction and uh, the deaths of 12, uh, you know, really uh, prominent uh, cartoonists and journalists in France, as well as a police officer and uh, apparently a guest in, in their, uh, in their uh, office. And that, uh, you know, that just shows that uh, it was pre-planned, it was well executed, and the fact, of course, that so far at least they haven't been apprehended uh, shows uh, that they had a lot of planning and uh, perhaps some assistance in getting this job, this job done. We'll talk about that assistance. Uh, very interesting. And also, when we talk about people who are uh, trained, as opposed to somebody who are just on some kind of a wild uh, shooting spree, um, they not only had discipline and were calm in their demeanor, um, allegedly, but they had discipline in the manner in which they carried this out. Uh, they did not spray bullets everywhere. And um, mm-hmm. there, are, there are you know experts that say former Army special ops and counterterrorism officials um, who said that that they must have conducted extensive uh, practice on this target in order to have struck uh, so effectively and also to manage to escape. And everyone who is alive and witnessed this said they were so calm and did not panic. So this would also lend to their experience and also the amount of training they must have uh, had and, and conducted before this attack. Would, would you agree? Yeah. I would agree with that because when you uh, engage in combat operations, one of the oddest things about combat, if you are well-trained, is that it is oddly calming. 
uh, in the sense that, okay, you've practiced for it, you understand what the consequences are, you understand what will probably happen next, and generally speaking, it's a very uh, calming experience, as bizarre as that sounds. And the uh, the way these people executed uh, this operation uh, clearly shows that they practiced it. They probably had some kind of experience in urban warfare or in some kind of attacks, you know, maybe in Syria, maybe in other places, uh, where they were able to go in and do similar things. And uh, they, uh, you know, clearly understood, you know, where to go uh, with one, you know, possible mistake, according to at least some reports, uh, but that they corrected it quickly. So that shows that they had a lot of practice. They understood what they were doing, and they were able to, in essence, gather intelligence uh, not only prior to the attack, but also during the attack. And that is definitely the hallmark of a professional uh, operation, and uh, it shows that they were able and willing to do that. Another thing is uh, they said amateurs wouldn't pick up a shoe, and apparently somebody lost their shoe, one of the uh, shooters. Um, We're going to take a break, Colonel. When we come back, I want to talk about you know, these guys getting away. There's a massive manhunt. How can you storm a building like this, kill kill 12 people and get away? Uh, Would this be uh, possible in the United States? Certainly in France, uh, very different with regard to guns, law enforcement, and attitude. We are back. Happy Hump Day. I'm Leslie Marshall. Not a happy day worldwide when we look at 12 lives lost at the satirical newspaper offices in Paris of Charlie Hebdo. Uh, Colonel Cedric Layton is our guest. Thank you for joining us, Colonel. Uh, Thank you for holding and uh, welcome back. Um, I I wanted to um, I forgot even the question that I had before the break that I was going to ask you. I have so many questions here. Um, This is also the type of weapons that the attackers used. I do remember. How can a how can a group of people who have just taken the lives of 12? I mean, let's talk about what type of time frame was this done in Colonel and how is it that they got away all of them? Well, it's, it, Leslie, it uh, probably took less than five minutes for them to, uh, you know, really mount the attack. Uh, and uh, what they did was they based everything on the element of surprise. And the fact that they were able to get in, uh, you know, shoot these people and get out so quickly shows that they were absolutely, uh, you know, not only knowledgeable of the area of Paris that they were in, but they also knew their escape route. They had clearly mapped that out many times before and understood, you know, what they needed to do, what barriers they needed to overcome. In some of the pictures, you see a police car that is in front of uh, what appears to have been the first getaway car, which was a Citroen, and uh, that uh, that didn't matter to them. They uh, basically shot up the police car and were able to go around it and make their way to the northeast part of Paris. And there is at least one theory out there which says that they're probably, they've probably gone underground in a one of the Paris suburbs that is a majority Muslim area. And that's probably where they're hiding out at this point in time, although it is possible that they may have gone much further. So they're usually what people like this do is they'll end up in fairly close proximity. But every now and then, uh, you will get people who, uh, in essence, take that uh, Bonnie and Clyde-style road trip and, uh, you know, find their way, you know, to, to a distant place. Uh, but in this case, uh, they, it's most likely that they'll still be in the Paris region. 
Um, okay, uh, we have a caller, and uh, this is, let me see. I don't see the uh, caller up here, guys. Uh, Bernie's in Virginia. Bernie, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Question or comment yes, for our guest. Should, the future should not um, uh, be given to uh, those that slander the prophet of Islam. Didn't Obama make that speech? Say that again? Didn't Obama make the speech, uh, the future should not belong to those that slander the prophet of Islam? I, I, the president has been very clear, and we're going to play something from the president a little bit later in the program. That uh, I mean, and I, I, I don't see any world leader condoning such violent, heinous uh, murder. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't, uh, you know, I know that uh, the president was, uh, you know, very um, emphatic in the past. Has been very emphatic in the past about uh, making sure that uh, that uh, all religions are treated, you know, basically with dignity. Uh, and uh, you know, but uh, you know, when you look at uh, what this newspaper, what this magazine, uh, Charlie Hebdo did, was they uh, lampooned everybody: politicians, uh, religious figures, uh, even atheists. And uh, so they uh, were very busy, uh, you know pointing out uh, people's uh, failings of various types and I you know from uh, what I've seen of them uh, in the past at least and and uh, you know up to the present time uh, I've seen uh, that this particular magazine uh, was an equal opportunity uh, you know purveyor of satire and uh, it is their right you know under our system and under the French system so uh, it is uh, you know one of those areas where you know like Leslie like you said uh, there the president and other world leaders have been very emphatic in condemning uh, this violence. Uh, let's talk about, uh, to a degree, to the uh, caller's point. And that is, Charlie Hebdo said, still no attacks against us, or still, you know, no attacks. Mm-hmm. Were they egging these terrorists on? Nobody brings this upon themselves. I want to be very clear with what I'm saying and what I'm asking. Right. Uh, but, right. I but, think... but I mean, are you know, are you tempting fate if you're dangling a carrot in front of a terrorist organization saying you haven't come after us? Nah, 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 nah. I mean, these people are not kidding. Uh, this may be a satirical newspaper. This is not a satirical organization. Right, and and that's the that, that's the event you know, that we're dealing with here. They, they, it is certainly possible that in the minds of uh, the attackers and people uh, that you know are in essence fellow travelers in in uh, Islamic extremism, uh, they uh, you know are are certainly offended by many things that that newspaper did. And I do agree that um, they probably felt egged on uh, by comments like that. Uh, I think um, you know they. I certainly, you know, would not approve of of that personally. You know, in my in my dealings with uh, with people, I would not uh, not do those kinds of things. Nor would I try to tempt fate uh, in that way. But um, they uh, they may have uh, you know may have done so in the opinion of uh, these extremists and uh, been fair game. And of course, the the magazine itself was the target of an attack uh, back in 2011, a firebomb attack in which fortunately no one was killed. Um, but uh, they, so they should know that they were high on the list. And uh, Inspire magazine, which is the Al Qaeda uh, magazine that uh, you know is pretty uh, you know good at, in terms of 
uh, its presentation and its media savvy. Uh, they have uh, specifically mentioned uh, Charlie Hebdo as a uh, possible target, and uh, so the mm-hmm. indicators were definitely there. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the protection uh, for Charlie Hebdo wasn't. Uh, Le Monde has just reported that police sources have said that the three gunmen have been identified. We don't have their names. They have not been apprehended. But Le Monde reports that police sources have said that the three men have been identified. Um, and uh, that is, you know, coming obviously from uh, the French paper uh, in France. Mm-hmm. And and this is good news, obviously, Colonel, because A, this is very quick. B, I would imagine the identification has been made by help from the community, right? Perhaps. I'm I'm assuming that's what we're going to find out. Um, Usually that's what happens, Leslie. In in these cases, law enforcement uh, and the intelligence services work very closely, and the law enforcement, uh, like in France, the Sûreté and the Police Nationale, are very adept at community policing. It may not look like that on the surface, uh, especially to non-French eyes, but I've watched them in action, and uh, they are uh, not afraid to interact with people. Uh, they also are not afraid to check people's identities. Uh, they they uh, you know kind of have a version of uh, stop and frisk that is nationwide, and they use that power uh, to affect these kinds of uh, of actions. And it, uh, you know it, if uh, the Lamont report is correct, and there's no reason to doubt it, um, then uh, that shows that really good, efficient police work uh, is uh, what they're you know what they're practicing at this point, and if they've identified these people, uh, then it's probably just a matter of time before they're going to be apprehended, and uh, it may be very close to that at this point. Can you talk to us about France's, if you're aware of it, a Colonel Security Alert Program? Uh, my French is really awful. I will butcher it. What is it? Vigipirat? Um, the Security Alert Program, uh, if you're familiar with that, and how it differs uh, from ours, and, and how they respond to attacks and are responding to this attack, and how that differs from we do, if it does. Right. Well, the French Security Alert Program is um, designed to, in essence, serve as a uh, way in which to tell French law enforcement exactly how to uh, you know, deal with uh, different uh, terrorist attacks. And um, the, uh, uh, the basic um, way in which uh, the French do it, it's very similar uh, in some respects. Um, the Vigipirat uh, is, is what you're referring to. And, it, it was and thank you for saying it so much. So much better than I. <laughs> it, it actually predates the 9-11 attacks. It uh, started in the late 1970s. And um, what they they did, it's, you know, like we used to have those colors. Yeah, uh, they do color France. levels, right? They do color levels, yes. They have five of them. Uh, they do everything from white all the way up to scarlet, which is beyond red. Now, and, didn't they uh, last year um, uh, simplify it? They now just have two levels? Yes, and uh, so uh, that's exactly right. And they just went uh, just like we did. Uh, you know, we kind of did away with our our colors. Um, they they went into a vigilance and attack alert. And uh, so, uh, in some ways, you know, in the law enforcement and intelligence communities, we actually prefer a more nuanced approach uh, because each color or each level means something specific, and you have specific actions that go with that. And there are certain measures that uh, you know, as a security person, you implement uh, to match that particular. The level, uh, but uh, what they you know, what they've done 
is uh, they decided to simplify it for public consumption. And uh, so right now what you're seeing in uh, uh, in uh, France is the attack alert level, which is the highest level of alert. But they, they basically have two choices, uh, very little or uh, everything. And that is um, that is something that they, you know, that they have uh, uh, decided to do. I think uh, most law enforcement professionals, at least off the record, would tell you they need, you know, a few more levels in order to, you know, really respond properly to these things. But uh, the idea is is that when you're on a heightened state of alert, that uh, you know all public buildings are protected, uh, that you have heightened security at airports, at train stations, and that's exactly the kind of measure uh, measures that they've implemented in France at, at this moment. Uh, so with the Vigipirate system, um, what they've they've basically done is they've taken a concept that was started in the late 1970s and updated it uh, to reflect a, a time in which there's a lot of social media uh, that is very active in France, and that uh, allows people, citizens, uh, to interact with the police, and uh, they use that to help inform the Vichy uh, Pirate Alert System. Uh, there are over 3,000 police officers reportedly involved in the search for these assailants. Uh, let's talk about the response. I mean, how do the French respond to such an attack? And is it the same as when we do, especially if we had three assailants as they do currently, and hopefully not for long at large? Right. Well, the uh, the French have, uh, first of all, they benefit from a national police force. They have two national police forces. One is the uh, Police Nationale, uh, which, uh, that they, and when you look at some of the video associated with the attack, those uh, the cars that were the police car that was shot up belong to the national police. Uh, the other force is kind of like a highway patrol, but it's more uh, paramilitary than that, and that's the gendarmerie. Uh, so those two forces uh, work together in order to, um, you know, respond to attacks of this type. They have an anti-terrorism unit uh, that uh, that is part of the gendarmerie, and they would go in if there were a hostage, if there had been a hostage situation in this case, uh, you would have seen them probably go in at some point to try to rescue those hostages. I, it was interesting to note, uh, you know, from my standpoint, that uh, when uh, they did this, they did it with the idea of not taking taking hostages, but uh, of committing murder. And when they did this, uh, they uh, you know, clearly had decided that um, they would get more publicity uh, from going in and attacking and killing people and getting out uh, and at less risk to themselves than they would if they had decided on a hostage drama. And uh, so what you, you know, what you see in the terms of the French police response is uh, bringing all of the national forces together uh, they keep it mainly in the law enforcement arena, but uh, they also don't hesitate uh, to use military forces if it's necessary. Um, generally speaking, uh, they don't have the, the same kind of restri- legal restrictions like we do on the use of military forces, so-called posicomitatus rules. Uh, the French can employ the military if they need to for certain things, but generally they will use the gendarmerie and the national police in order to actually uh, apprehend these folks, and then their equivalent of the FBI is also very good at um, going in and obtaining forensic evidence, and they have an extensive database on you know everything from license plate numbers to fingerprints and uh, facial recognition uh, that they get from 
passport photos as well as uh, the other documentation that they have, and they start comparing that with the various cameras, the CCTV cameras that uh, are active in a lot of places in Paris. So that's that's uh, what they end up doing, and they end up uh, you know basically bringing all resources to bear. And they're also not shy about implementing things like roadblocks and uh, you know limiting traffic in certain areas while they look for people. Uh, speaking of, we have more breaking news now. The investigation is moving to Rem. They are It's a city in the uh, Champagne-Ardennes region of France. A lot of Champagne comes from that area. Many people visit when they go to Paris. It's about 80 miles east-northeast of Paris. And uh, this is uh, the information that we have uh, from Le Monde. This is a rough translation from the French newspapers, obviously, written in French. Uh, these are about three men aged 18, 32, and 34. Um, the uh, the uh, of, of of these uh, they seem to be of French nationality um, brothers born in the tenth arrondissement of Paris uh, they are named Saeed and Sharif K uh, the nationality of the younger who is Hamid uh, uh, M is not yet known we know that there was they were registered last year at a terminal uh, as terminal S in a school in an area. Um, of uh, the area they seem to be looking in now, the Academy of REM, um, according to the local newspaper. Uh, they they said that the investigation is moving toward that area of REM and the uh, searches are being carried out. They have raid special forces that have been sent there and will keep you abreast um, of uh, more. Uh, Colonel, thank you uh, once again uh, for being with us. I could talk to you much more about this, and I'm sure we will talk about this and many other issues with you in the year ahead. Happy New Year once again, Colonel. Colonel Cedric Layton, thank you. Colonel uh, Cedric Layton, follow him on Twitter at Cedric Layton, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. The website is CedricLayton.com. And like I said, he founded this company. Uh, Check it out. After he served in the U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer attaining the rank of colonel, he's held assignments in all levels of command, tactical deployment, U.S. Special Ops, and also the Joint Staff in the Pentagon.